You're listening to Hawk Talk, the official podcast of Monmouth University Athletics. Here are your hosts, Eddie Acapinti and Greg Viscomi. Spring season in full swing here at Monmouth University. Thanks for checking out another edition of our Hawk Talk podcast, where we get to introduce you to the student athletes and coaches and personalities that comprise the Monmouth Athletics Department. Eddie Acapinti back with you and with my co-host is he is every week the producer, the co-host, really the glue guy of Hawk Talk, Greg Viscomi. How you doing, man? I'll take being the glue guy. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Every good team needs a glue guy. Sure. We're heading down the home stretch here in, um, in the spring sports and looking to wrap up our tenure in the MAC here in the next, I guess, three or four weeks, considering, considering uh, baseball goes a little bit later. But uh, there's there's been one consistent, just straight whipping <laughs> through the MAC, and that's our men's tennis team. And our guest today, that's called a segue. It took a couple of episodes, but we're getting there. We that's getting professional there. right there. That, we're good. This is number 17. Is it 17? I was trying to remember what, what number it 17. is. 17. 17 consecutive weeks. We're getting there. We're trying to get picked up for season two. That's <laughs> the goal. I'll, I'll, ta- I'll talk to the, the, the executive producer up front. <laughs> Make sure that we're there. But we are, as Greg said, uh, so happy to welcome in um, our guest today. Like he said, the one of the, the most consistent things here at Monmouth University for the last... Uh, going on now handful of years has been this men's tennis program and under the direction of Chris Light who joins us now it's just kind of gone off into a whole other stratosphere and and coach first of all thanks for joining us how you doing today I'm great guys thanks for having me I know how uh, busy and hectic it is uh, in this world so uh, I appreciate you guys spending some time with me means a lot to me in our program and and we appreciate it you know obviously each spring schedule is so different Um, obviously the tennis schedule you know is no different so we know the demand on your schedule that this time of year is as well with playing the most important matches of the season Greg said it tennis is it's a long season but when you get to it now these are those matches that matter Um, so we appreciate your time and and coming and joining because I think it's important for a lot of the listeners you're going to help educate them to they maybe understand tennis Right, but college tennis is a very different world. So thanks again for joining us. Yeah, yeah, I'm so glad to be here. Appreciate it. It's been now hard to, in I when I was getting ready for this, it took me four years. Right, it's hard to believe that it's already been now four seasons since, um, you know, we were able to to you know find you highly successful at all of your uh, previous stops. But have you? And obviously the COVID pause was thrown in there too, but does it feel like four seasons? Does it feel like more than that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Sometimes it feels like more, sometimes right. less. It's like, uh, it definitely feels like a total whirlwind, but I mean, Eddie's the guy that uh, helped bring me here. I remember the uh, Zoom interviews and the in-person interviews and you know, some days it seems like yesterday, some days it seems like, you know, 10 years ago. So it's been, uh, it's been an interesting, but a, a very awesome and memorable four years for me, for sure. We, we definitely, as administrators, take credit when we have the smallest part of hiring <laughs> yes. a successful coach. We yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> like we'll be texting around and being like, oh man, men's tennis, another seven <laughs> oh butt whipping of whoever. And he'd be like, yeah, I wonder who hired that guy. <laughs> Never miss an opportunity to pat yourself on the back. Seriously. Remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's just, let's kind of jump into it. You know, I think for a lot of us, myself included, tennis is like kind of one of those things that you like go to the park and do and like, I mean, many years ago, but uh, kind of have fun, hit the ball around, whatever. It's great, obviously, to keep you in shape. But how do you get started into playing like competitive tennis when you're young? 
Yeah, tennis is, the thing about tennis is a very international sport. First of all, I think in the majority of the countries outside of the U.S., I think soccer and tennis are really the, the go-to sport. So, you know, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk a lot about my roster, but a lot of these guys grew up um, playing tennis from the time they're, you know, four, five, six years old. A lot of them go into actual full-time training academies with the goal to be a professional tennis player. Um, so a lot of it is a kind of an early commitment to the sport, a lot of familiarity with the sport, and then just going all in, you know, full-time training academy, online school. That's the majority of uh, the tennis world, at least the international world. So we're going to jump around a little bit here, I'm sure. Yeah. But like when you're trying to build a roster, um, obviously you want the best players you can get. And a lot of those are international, which is great for the school too, because uh, I don't have any kind of real figures here, but I'm just going to throw it out there and hope that it doesn't get back to me. But I would say that the majority of the international students at Monmouth University reside in the athletics department, in our tennis programs, in our soccer pro men's soccer program, in Carly Figlio's field hockey program. So how do you kind of go about building a roster? Obviously it, it's hard, you know, they're scholarship athletes. They're not coming here for free uh, to, to balance a big enough roster that you can have some have international players and get a couple, uh, you know, you know, domestic players. Oh, that's a very complicated question. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, you know, I'm looking at a few things when I recruit. Uh, obviously, the level of tennis is, is very important. Um, being able to come here and be successful academically is huge. And then college tennis is very different than regular tennis in the fact that it's a, it's a team sport. So we really look at culture and fit and, you know, the family atmosphere. Like, will these guys be able to come here and fit in with the coaching staff, the current guys we have? Um, so we – I honestly look at all those factors um, when bringing in guys, and we look across the globe. We have guys from you know Austria, Kazakhstan, you know Canada, you know everywhere across the globe. So it's a it's a worldwide operation for sure. And it, it's one that I think we've seen, you know, a big switch and a big adjustment here those last couple of years. And um, you know, Chris, when you seek out, and, and I want to kind of further something that you just said, that culture, that fit. What are those, co you know, those few kind of factors that you look at with a student athlete, whether it's academically, socially, uh, you know, their play on the court that kind of separate them from the rest and let you think, you know what, this could be a good fit for this Monmouth program. Yeah, I mean, the tennis results uh, are we look at, we just see like worldwide rankings. There's some specific numbers and ratings that we can look at. Each country is a little bit different, so it's it's complicated, but, you know, we have a good feel of that. And then we do a lot of research. If we can do visits with them, we do. Um, and official visits is an awesome, just awesome time to be able to see, you know, we have them spend time with the team, with the coaching staff, you know, just being on campus. We talk to them not only about tennis, but about, you know, their family and uh, their commitment to the school, why Monmouth. We want we want a two-way fit when we're looking like, does this guy want to come here? Um, and do we want this guy here? And you know, a lot of guys initially are just looking at maybe money or location, but we want someone that wants to be part of the Mammoth tennis program, the Mammoth family, and we have so much to sell here. I think it's, um, you know, we have a lot of choices to make, so we're pretty selective in, in who we bring. We make sure they really fit that that full criteria to get them here. In this tennis program is one that you could kind of put like a bookmark in, I would say maybe 2015, 2016, when kind of the game changed at Monmouth University for men's tennis. And, and now it's on this tremendous run of success, but, but it kind of started then. So you built your own program at Wilkes before you came here and, and built the men's and women's teams there into 
perennial powerhouse winners. Um, but here it was one of the, it was a bit of a different situation, right? It was coming into a team that had won a couple championships. How do you continue that run of success, but also put your own mark on it because they are definitely now built in your image? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. That's why I was so interested in this opportunity. I've, First of all, like I wanted to get up to the Division One level, um, and this was a team that was on the rise for sure. Um, and I looked at the location, I looked at the commitment to athletics and academics at the school, and the vision of you know the athletic department and the the president and everything. And um, you know, I was very like I really wanted this job. It was kind of the perfect job for me. So. You know, it was it was interesting, and I know Eddie, you were there with me in yep. the first first few months. We had some uh, very strong players and very strong personalities, and you know, there's definitely some challenges. But I I'm true to myself, and I know you know what I can bring to the program. So I wanted to you know put my own stamp on this, and I think this is the first year that I kind of have all the players that I've recruited that are that are with me. So it's kind of come full circle, I think, and it's going well. Well, I would say, I mean, 16 and three right now, and just some of these dual. Um, you know, matches, perfect 10-0 record at home, <laughs> unbeaten in league play, and a team that's won, how about this stat, Greg? 32 straight regular season Mac matches. It's I want to make sure that I get it right. Since 2016, that's 32 straight. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I could even think would come even anywhere close to that is Coach Turner in women's soccer. I know she right. won a bunch of Mac games in a row, but it's just it's just staggering, and and. and, and to our fault, you almost come to like expect it, which is obnoxious. <laughs> yes, it's obnoxious as administrators to be like, "Oh, oh yeah, Chris is going to go out there, going to win something." Like, I mean, we'd like to think we're the ones that know outside of the coaches how hard yeah, it is. You got to show up every single day, day yeah. against every single team. The, the bullseye probably couldn't be any bigger yeah, right? uh, on their back. I'm every single one of these tennis teams in the MAC is like wants to be the one yeah. to end and end the 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 reign that the. End yeah. the the streak. So how do you kind of motivate your guys to be like, Hey, we can't go through this sleepwalk through X, Y, Z conference opponent. We got to go in there and, and, and put the dagger in them. Like get them off. Yeah. I think like you guys said, it's a good, it's a good and a bad thing. Um, you know, we like, we like the pressure. We kind of embrace it. And these guys, like even, I know we'll probably talk about the future, but we really look at, at the day to day. And I know it's maybe cliche, but we think like, Tomorrow we have to go win this match, and we want to go. I always have that one and zero mentality. We talk about going one and zero again, probably a cliche, but that's really what we focus on. This team is going to give us their best shot. They want to knock us off, and we want to play that match like it's a championship caliber match. So we just really have that focus, like win the next match, win the next match, and then move on. We don't try to look at like championships in the past. We really try to focus on the present and just being in the present moment and winning this match. And I tell the guys, like these other teams come in, like sometimes they come out in real hot against us because they're loose. There's not a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. So we try to play with a little less pressure. We try to make it fun. We're very like energetic. It's the team matches are exciting. We try to bring that energy. And I think that takes a little bit of the, of the pressure off. We try to make it fun also. So you got one more conference game left. And then every coach that we talk to says the same thing about the trip out West. Uh, Northwest, uh, it's a it's long. Now you're going to stop along the way, and you're going to end up playing Colgate, and then you're going to go and play, continue on and play, and play Niagara. But um, how hard is the the Western New York swim when you, when you have to make it? I guess every other year. Actually, this to be honest, this is going to be my first year <laughs> going to Niagara mm. because of the COVID, COVID. the COVID year. Yeah, and right. then the conference decided to keep the original schedule. So 
Um, I think I'll have to tell you when I get back, but I've heard, I've heard a lot of interesting stories, so I don't know. Uh, I don't really know exactly what to expect, but I think once we get on the court, we'll be ready. I know it'll be a long, a long bus ride. We're actually going to travel with the women's team, which will be kind of a, a cool experience. So right. they're also going to play Colgate and Niagara um, the same day, same time, Friday and Saturday. So it'll kind of be a fun uh, Mammoth athletic experience. You have some different people to talk to on that ride. <laughs> exactly. Dr. Scene. Spread. Same teammates. Yeah. No, and that's cool. And even here uh, at the home facility, obviously, it, it's shared between the men and the women. So um, when you go out there, and I remember when we opened that tennis house, right, you know, a handful of years ago now, but uh, it seems like there is good camaraderie between the men's and women's teams. The women's team's having their best season in, in years, and um, I'm sure the men's team's success kind of plays into that, right? Because Mammoth tennis un, under one umbrella is is great. So is, is there a nice little camaraderie, you know, you, Coach Murray, and the men's and women's teams? Yeah, yeah, we're very close. I talk to Coach Murray all the time. You know, she's a lifelong Mammoth person, so she's been a good, a good resource for me. And, you know, the men and women are close. You just share that common characteristic and you know the teams cross over a lot with practice matches you know occasionally travel together so it's kind of like a, a big big family I would say you know tennis is such a unique sport it, it files under it's a similar kind of feel to at least in college to golf and to track and field in this in swimming right it's individual but it's team right so the better the individuals do the better the team does but you know Chris I'm, I'm always curious because when you watch the high level of tennis right it's an individual. They're not running into a huddle after and, and being embraced by their teammates like in college. And how have you noticed it's been throughout your time as a coach now managing kind of the individuals that comprise the team and kind of that balancing act? Yeah, it's the it's the biggest challenge of any college tennis coach, especially because we getting we're getting high level junior players that have trained under, a you know, basically a professional coach mm -hmm. and have traveled to individual tournaments and have worried about themselves, you know, 24 seven. <laughs> and suddenly they get here and they're thrown into a, you know, a wild and crazy team atmosphere. So, you know, it's very difficult, especially the beginning part, um, just in how we train and how we practice and we do things, you know, all about the team. Um, so it's a very kind of a juggling act of, of, you know, taking care of them individually and then also stressing the team. But the best way is by having, like I said, that culture and we've had obviously good success. So the upper level players like are, are feeding into that and they're supporting that. So there is always a transition, but I've found that it's, it's worked well if you have a good, a good culture and everybody, you kind of get everybody on board and the team matches are, are better that way because everyone's cheering for each other. It's a lot different atmosphere than you would see at a, like maybe even a professional tournament. Like the guys are cheering, they're on the court, they're, they're yelling and screaming. So it's a, it's a fun, they, players that graduate here really love the atmosphere of the, of the college team matches. It's a lot of fun and uh, pretty, pretty exciting. And probably something that they're not going to experience again going forward. Uh, so I have a tennis, very tennis specific questions. How do you go about matching up players for, for doubles partners? Like, is it, well, just how do you do it? Like, it, you know, effectiveness, <laughs> is it personalities? Is it guys that get along? Is it guys that complement e each other's play? H how do you get to get a doubles roster going? Yeah, that's the question that every time I go to a college tennis clinic or college tennis camp, all the coaches gather around and <laughs> try to figure out best practices. It's kind of like what you said. It's really everything. It's a, it's also a puzzle. It's also a balancing because we have three doubles spots. So you're going to have six players play. So it's not always, you know, these are the two best guys, put them at number one. You know, you're, you're balancing the power of the three spots. 
Um, the biggest thing is is the personalities and how they mesh. Um, the best doubles teams I've ever coached have been able to keep each other up. You know, when one guy's playing well, one guy's down, the other guy keeps them up, and they're super positive, upbeat, you know, kind of a high-energy doubles team. So we look at the strengths and weaknesses of each player. We looked at the total balance of power between one, two, and three, um, and try to make it work, but it's it's tough. We we move around a lot, usually during the year, and the, the doubles in the college level is, is one set, which is one set to six, and it's no ad. So it's very short and uh, tough. It's just they're, the matches start with, like, 100% intensity level, and they're shortened and sweet. So we have guys that have to start fast. So that's something we look at, too. And, and it's important because yeah. it's an extra team point that you might need when you get done with, with the singles play. So I just find that really, really interesting. And I was many years ago at tennis SID and I'd be like, wait a minute, like these two guys are playing together this week, but then next week, you know, we've mixed it up. And I'm like, I wonder why they mixed it up. But like, they're not getting along or, uh, so I don't know. That was just a tennis question I had. Yeah. And, and, and like you said, Chris, it's so important because or Greg mentioned it, but it's so important because that could be the difference when you start yeah. breaking down these individual matchups in winning or losing a, you know, a dual match. Yeah. And a lot of times you'll end up splitting the singles three, three. So whoever won that doubles point, you know, can end up winning the match, but also the doubles is first. It starts to match out. So a lot of times whoever gets that doubles point is really riding high going into the singles. So especially teams looking for the upset, every coach will say like, we need to, we need to steal that doubles point and kind of, kind of hit them in the face a little bit in the beginning and then, you know, get that momentum going in the single. So put a little doubt in their head. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. And it could also uh, really kind of, you know, set the stage. And if you've been to the, the, the Mac championships, it does make for, it, it's such a, an interesting atmosphere because of the, the mood of the day and starting with that doubles point. And, you know, Chris, we've been able to obviously be there these last couple of years when um, every year that you've been here and there's been a spring competition, Monmouth has been able to go out and win that championship and it builds on that tradition. But uh, it is, it was always interesting to see the team kind of developed its own, you know, kind of chants and cheers and, and that support system that they have seems to be pretty strong. And whether it was the team you took over with a lot of older guys or this team now that you've built yeah yeah the, the team chemistry and, and each team has their own little little flavor we the last couple of years and, and I know you Eddie we've lost a lot of amazing players like you know Mac players of the year all first team all conference guys so you know we've tried to replace them and we've tried to build our own each year it has its own flavor so try to build a new team and not like oh last year we did this it's like oh what are we going to do this year what's what's going to be our identity and our personality um and you know this is been an exciting group and it's been a lot of fun kind of have our own own unique personality for sure you did it for 16 years at Wilkes before coming to Monmouth I think people need to gain kind of a better understanding of that your success you had there your ability to identify student athletes at your previous institution which you've heard us mention before because it's where President Leahy came from so <laughs> right. it is so interesting oh, we're getting into that too <laughs> right but we got coach light first by the way so in theory it kind of hired the president yeah, I mean that's a stretch. But we'll, oh no, it's the biggest of stretches. We'll, we'll take and it. I and I tell him he followed me here. It's kind of a kind of our little inside joke, but but to to do it at that level, not to do it at this level. What were either the similarities, the differences? And I know obviously going to Division One is going to be different, but with tennis being as specialized as it is, what were kind of those those key things that you took from your time there that you brought here, and then maybe things that you discovered here on your own as you learned about Mammoth, learned about the Mac, and kind of you know felt the process out because to. See See, all of the success over 20 years, I think, is to obviously do a disservice to the detail and the specifics that took you to this point. 
Yeah, you're making me feel a little bit old, but that's that's okay, Eddie. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think you know the the normal things you would say is recruiting at this at this level and at my previous institution is the number one, like the most important thing. You've got to bring in not only strong players, but like I said earlier, strong team, team-oriented people that are going to be happy and want to be at the school. That's number one. And then, you know, you got you to gotta develop. Like these players have to get better while they're here um, individually. And then you've got to build that team concept and continuously say, like, these are our team goals. This is what we're going to do now um, and focus on the day-to-day. Like sometimes we say, like, we're going to get 1% better today. We're going to get a little bit better today. And to keep that that focus every single day, it's – it's a long year. It's a long grind, um, but you have to like be appreciative and, and be happy and be supportive. And we try to, you know, push all those things on a daily basis. We try to motivate. You say the, the grind that it is, it starts in the fall. <laughs> it yeah. starts in September. Yeah. It goes through the winter and then it ends in the spring. So, you know, there's a lot of news, right, that other college sports are trying to do this, right? Now it's obviously very different with men's tennis. And right. it's great for men's tennis. It'd be terrible for anybody else. Uh, but to keep that focus, right? Some of the, you know, for the majority of coaches here, it's a season and they have to keep their student athletes engaged and focused for a season. How different and how challenging is it to do it literally over the course of the whole calendar year between individual tournaments and then the, uh, you know, the dual matches. Yeah. It's the, it's the biggest, it's one of the biggest challenges. And you know, every year it, I think from the outside, it looks like everything's perfect and, you know, the team is here and here, but there's like so many ups and downs individually and team wise, you know? Um, So it's, you don't see all that stuff that goes on behind the scenes in that practice. But, you know, I tell the guys like there's gonna be ups and downs individually, you know, you're going to have a bad day, a bad match, a bad tournament. Um, But, you know, we'll learn from it. We'll grow from it. And at the end of the year, I would say it's like a roller coaster, but at the end of the year, like I promise we'll finish, we'll finish on top. And, you know, we just kind of stay the course and, you know, it's hard on a day-to-day basis, but I, I try to keep that long-term view and try to keep pushing that with the guys, you know, even after a, a tough day. How difficult, you know, was the COVID era when having so many international kids? You know, we've heard stories of players not being able to get back, players not being able to go home. You know, how difficult was that for you, for you to navigate having a team that's like 95% international? Yeah, it was it was wild and crazy. We were we were literally gonna leave the next morning at five a.m. for Orlando for our spring break trip, and I I remember I called over in the morning like the day before in the morning, and I'm like, we're still on. They're like, yeah, we're still we're still a go, and I'm like, okay. And you know the guys are calling, texting me, you know, and then like two hours later, I get the call like, you got to come over here, like you know your trip's canceled and your season's canceled, literally in like two hours. So. It was just such like a, a wild and crazy time. And then the difficult part was, you know, my guys are kind of stuck here. You know, they're, they can't drive home, you know, for the weekend or for the rest of the semester. So, you know, we had guys that stayed off campus. We had guys that, you know, couldn't get home. Um, so it was challenging that their parents didn't know what was going on. So we, were, we talk about the family here. We kind of are their de facto, you know, like parents, big brother type situation. So, you know, we are with them, you know, 24-7 taking care of everything, um, just to make sure they were safe and and comfortable here, yeah, it was it was definitely interesting. Yeah, you could definitely understand how difficult it was for you know United States student athletes. I can't imagine you know not being able to connect with your kid or or yeah. your parents being you know half a world away. 
Well, and especially like Chris just mentioned, right? If, I mean, I know how hard it was for all of us and we were you know, like an hour away, you know, we were at a basketball tournament. So you can only imagine when you're <laughs> a world away and then how every country handled it was obviously so different. Yeah. So did the majority of them, you know, Chris, have they even had a chance, you know, to, to go home? Was it this past summer that maybe they had a chance to go home for the first time in a while? Yeah, we had some that stayed literally okay. and just never went home, um, stayed like through, you know, winter break, Christmas break, and um, didn't go home or some that went home and then had challenges getting back. Like they, we couldn't, you know, we have a lot of guys from Brazil and for a while we had challenges. We couldn't take anybody coming from Brazil because their rates were high. So mm-hmm. we kind of like each, each person had different situation and every country was so different that we kind of just dealt with each guy individually. The nice thing is the team's a little bit smaller so we could like help them, you know, personally. And I think that was something that we took pride in and their, their parents appreciated that. Yeah. It was, it was interesting. So we, we made mention of the Wilkes connection. Um, going a little bit about, and you, you've touched on it, but why make the jump to division one? personally why make the jump to Mammoth, and and then we'll we'll, we'll hit a follow-up with with a president Leahy question after that yeah great question I think you know I I built Wilkes from the ground up literally the the one team I took over hadn't won a match in like six years when I started so you know that was just the beginning of my college career they gave me a great chance when I was young and uh, you know I learned a lot on the job and built them into conference champions. I think we won 23 total champions championships, went to NCAAs every year, a couple of times, I think went to the second round of the NCAAs. And at that time, I just felt like I had kind of reached my, you know, apex at Wilkes that I couldn't really do anything more there. Um, and I was ready, like personally and professionally for a new challenge. Like I wanted to test myself at a higher level and, you know, so I, I had looked around a little bit and need to stay close to home because of family and Mammoth popped up and it was just literally like the perfect opportunity for me at the perfect time. And, uh, you know, I, I love, like I said, the school, I love the area, I love the athletic department, just the, the people that are here, the leadership of the school. And I'm a beach guy, so I love the beach. So it literally was like, it's kind of like the perfect school and the perfect fit for me at the, at the right time. And all the stars kind of aligned. What do you, uh, what do you sell when you're internationally recruiting? Obviously, you know, they don't know anything about Moth University. <laughs> I wouldn't expect them to yet. Uh, but, but what are you selling these international student athletes on? Obviously there's a winning culture, but what else? Like g- give us your pitch. Yeah. The three, the, the three areas I always highlight um, just in general information is first, obviously the tennis program, the, the history of championships, NCAA births, et cetera. Um, second, I always hit the academics. I love that we're a, a division one, but a little smaller school. My guys, you know, my guys last year had a 3.83, you know, team GPA. They get a lot of individual help here and they love the, you know, academics that Monmouth can provide. So, and a lot of them are looking for uh, business, which I think is probably our strongest major. So that's a great fit. And then third, I sell, I sell this area really hard. You know, you're, you're literally at the beach. You're right outside New York city, which is a big draw for international students. And even having access to, you know, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Washington, DC, I think just, the area you're in here is incredible. So I really try to sell the the tennis, the academics, and the location, and then, you know, get into more of the, the, the individual parts of those. So those selling points also 
not only tie into what Monmouth is and has been for years, but where Monmouth is headed, obviously moving forward into the Colonial Athletic Association, going to get to play some of those league matches, right, in Philly, you know, down in Baltimore, in that area, you know, going up to Boston. So uh, that, as you sell to these student-athletes, now the cool thing is you're going to get a chance to go play some league matches in some of those spots that you kind of reference. Yeah, I think, you know, I think the move going to the conference was a great, great for our school. I think the academics and also, like you said, the wide geographical range of the schools is going to be awesome for this for the university as a whole. I think the athletics can really drive some of that recruiting, you know, for the school and uh, bring more attention to us. I think I feel like we have such so many great things here. We just have to kind of get the word out more nationally and internationally. So I try to do that through, you know, through tennis. And I think as a school, you know, this will help us do that for, uh, for sure. What did we're going to backtrack real quick. So you're at Wilkes with, with President Leahy. What was your relationship like with him? Like he's obviously a, a huge athletics guy, and he's made a point to come out to, I think, everybody's practices and or competitions. When he was at Wilkes, was he kind of the same guy there? I know he did a lot for their athletics program there. Yeah, Dr. Lay, he just had such a great uh, vision when he got there and just an energy about him, which which he still has. And I remember like the first time he came to, you know, I think he called and said, I'm going to come to your tennis match. And I was kind of I was kind of shocked. Usually, honestly, university presidents don't don't come to college tennis matches. So, you know, it was just such an honor to have him there. And he was like so engaged with the players on the team and he knew everything about him. And just from that day, I knew like how sincere he was and, you know, just everything he does is focused around, you know, students. And uh, I, I love that about him. And he built up the entire school there, both academically and athletically. And I think we're seeing him do the same thing here, which which I expect. So when, when we were searching for a president and they released the names, was it like a no brainer for you? You're just like, yeah, we, we need that. And did you talk to, to Marilyn McNeil about it at all? No, I, I, you know what, when I, it was literally pretty soon after I had started here and I, and I saw the, like the presidential search was out there and I, I, in the back of my mind, I was thinking like, I could possibly see, you know, Dr. Leahy being interested, um, more in the back of my mind, but when it was announced it was, it was like a shock, but it wasn't a total shock. I think he would probably say some of the similar things that I did. I think it was a, a good fit for him at the right time. And, you know, he's, he's an amazing president. I'm so happy he's here. It's made my decision to come here even better, honestly. And it makes for a, kind of an interesting, like, talking point, you know, and I know when, um, I, I believe it was right at the time when things kind of shut down and, and we did the original kind of video Hawk Talks that we were doing. And, and I remember Chris kind of asking you then, like, you know, it, it's a pretty, I don't know if we can ever, obviously it's never happened here where a university president's come in and then a coach was here first from the previous institution. Um, but I saw the other day he had a chance to get out um, to practice and to competition and to see. And um, how, how has that relationship between he and the international student athletes um, kind of been for you to watch, you know, because uh, obviously, like Greg said, he goes to everything, but to then see for these student athletes to see their president there at those matches, what does it kind of mean for them? You think it's it, like I said, it's, it's amazing. Um, it, like I, I mentioned earlier, a lot of presidents don't get out at all. And Dr. Lahey not only comes, but he knows guys personally. He knows so much about the team that they're they're kind of almost shocked. Like he he knew stuff about our guys academically. Obviously, he knows the tennis history and stuff about me. But um, they're so amazed with how busy he is that he took the time to come out and not just show up and say hi, but he had very specific you know things that he was saying to the guys you know that he knew about the program, which which is just incredible, honestly. Kind of switching gears a little bit. Let's get into your roster a little, little because 
you know, the whole point of this podcast was was to highlight maybe some of the athletes and, and the teams that don't get as much publicity as they deserve. And quite frankly, that's one of your your teams. So I want people to get, to get a little knowledge into, into your team. Um, so, you know, heading into this last regular season, in quotes, uh, of the, the week of the year, who um, give me like two or three guys that are just playing really, really high-level tennis for you right now. Such such a tough question. I hate I hate like mentioning guys individually too much because we have I think and even like the coaches that we compete against are so impressed with like our depth. The one thing about Monmouth, if you look at us, where we always win down low, like four, like four, five, six singles. Most teams we play are very strong at the top. Those you know we win a lot there, but they're close. Um, but we always win down low. But you know I'll mention a few guys. We have two new guys at the top: um, Niels Van Nord actually transferred from USF, which is a top uh, 40 tennis program. Um, and he, he came in, it's his fourth, he's a fourth year. He'll be here for two years, but, you know, took over that number one spot, had an amazing fall, um, made it to the, we have a big regional tournament, made as far as any Monmouth players ever made that tournament, which, which says a lot, you know, and he's been a great personality to add to the top of the lineup. We really, we lost a lot of good players last year, so we needed a guy to come in. Um, number two has been Dmitry Bezbordov from Kazakhstan. Um, you know, definitely probably the first guy ever to come from that country to, to mama. So that's been kind of, kind of exciting. Um, and he's another big, he's like six foot six hard hitter. Um, and he's done a great job there. And then we got a lot of guys that returned. Um, we have three Brazilians, Gabe, Victor, and Luca all playing in that middle part of the lineup. Um, all were major factors last year, actually at that at our final NCAA match where we lost to UCF, um, they were all winning or tied in their singles match when that match was clinched. So those guys have uh, tremendous like experience and a uh, big game ability. So those are those are some of them. Some of the guys I have to almost mention everybody. I feel bad, but <laughs> yeah, no. And I knew I was kind of putting you on the spot there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's not one of those like, hey, yeah. you know, these guys are playing yeah. great and these guys aren't. But I just we yeah. just want to give a little shine to them. And, and yeah, all right. So who who's your Go, go down, and I don't know if you're allowed to, if you're comfortable doing this, but give us some doubles matchups that you think are really going to be an issue for people in the MAC in the MAC championship there. Yeah, um, Fair, Fairfield as a team has been very strong in doubles. They actually, we beat them 4-3 in the regular season, and they won the doubles point against us. So I know that after that we've really kind of tweaked some things and have been heavily, heavily focused on the doubles Um thinking that there's a good chance we'll see them in the conference semis or the conference finals. So um, they're very strong, um, and that's kind of the one team that we're kind of looking at those specific matchups, and, you know, we take notes and look at what we got to do to win those those individual battles. So it's so – who, do you know yet? Is this, is the field set as who you'll be playing, or this last weekend's got to play out before? There's a few. Yeah, it's not exactly set. We know. I think Sienna and Fairfield will definitely be in the tournament, um, and I think the last spot. And there's a possible ties that are still up for grabs. So, but we know those two teams are strong. They'll both be in. Yeah, coming soon. And and we know that those championships are, uh, as Greg mentioned, not this weekend. It's next weekend. This weekend is a Western New York swing for both tennis programs, as Chris mentioned. And then it's April 23rd and 24th, so next Saturday and Sunday. It's been at Mercer County Park for pretty much, I, I think, as long as we've been in the MAC. And yeah, I don't think they've ever. It used to be up in in at the facility in New York City, which was awesome. I, I really like the I mean for us it's you know to be totally selfish it's a really easy ride to Mercer <laughs> County. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, they they do a great job there. It, it lends itself to a really good championship atmosphere. Um, it, you know, Chris, to to have the team 
you mentioned it. It's that roller coaster ride throughout the course of an entire academic year. It's both semesters, which is interesting because a lot of coaches only have to worry about their uh, student athletes. And not that they don't worry all year, but when it comes to academics and things, it's a semester, right? So, yeah, and you're, you're coaching competitive games that matter, matches that matter, which I think is kind of different. Right, and it makes it very unique. So what's the biggest key and I know this is a very could be a very complicated answer, but what's the biggest key to having a team playing its best at the most important times and, and to navigate that roller coaster, like Greg mentioned, with this very uh, you know varied roster and and you know diverse roster to be playing their best at the best time, kind of you know how, how what's the artistry behind that? Yeah, it's it's, it's such a, such a great question. Um, honestly, number one is health, and um, the majority right now, every single team that we're playing has some kind of health issue with one of their top guys. It's just the nature of the sport. You know, for those that have watched, it's so physical, and it's like you said, it's such a long year. If you look at some of our guys that played like 40, 50 matches combined, mm-hmm. singles and doubles at at this basically almost professional level. So number one is, is health. Like, so we're, I'm extra cautious with the guys and having good depth. There's matches. I'll pull some guys out to rest them, to get other guys in. And I kind of always are looking to the championship as this is like our finale. So I want our top guys ready, hundred percent healthy and as confident as we can going in there. So number one is health. And number two is just the individual parts of their game, you know, making sure they're confident going into that championship. They've obviously played a lot of matches, but there's been wins and losses. So we're looking for like that individual improvement throughout the season and, you know, kind of peaking individually at the, at the end of the year. And and have you noticed to that point, a difference in how tennis is played and how it's put kind of a more of an emphasis on the health part of it, you know, is strength training more significant now than it was maybe when you got into the game and and how does that impact that, like you mentioned, kind of management of players as they get ready, you know, for that most important time of the year. Yeah, and I, I did want to mention Tim, Tim staff and Simon staff. Like, I think at a lot of schools, tennis isn't in there a lot, but our guys are in the weight room um, almost every day and in the training room almost every day. So, you know, they do a good job of keeping us a very healthy and very ready. And like you said, it's become it's become much more physical, yeah. uh, much more powerful with technology and with this with the strength training, like the. The sport is so powerful now. Um, it's very different than it used to be. So guys are getting stronger. They're getting faster. They're hitting They're hitting heavier and harder. So with that comes, you know, other issues and potential injuries. So, you know, some of the stuff we do in the strength room is, to, is injury prevention as much as strength stuff. So. And, and that's why I asked because yeah. I was always, um, even as, as a young person, interested in watching tennis. And the sport really has changed at the highest level. We see kind of that trickle down from the professional ranks, you know, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, or, or tennis. You know, when I was younger, I remember you'd see these long professional rallies and guys running all over the court. Now, big serve, big return, and there is much more of a finality to it. So to that yeah. point, I'm curious as someone who, you know, you're the department's expert on this, you and Coach Murray, uh, who were the the players that, you know, when you were kind of growing up as a young player, as a young coach that you kind of idolized, um, you know, in the professional ranks of tennis? Yeah, I was a big, like, Andre Agassi and Pete Sampras guy. Those guys were, those guys were kind of while I was growing up. So I saw him play many times. 
I loved Agassi. I, I think I like like these kind of crazy tennis personalities. That's really how it is. And if you if you see our team, you'll see some similar similar things. But I <laughs> I like these guys that are just so unique and uh, just bring a lot of fun and like their own personality to the court. It's it's such an individual sport. So Agassi was probably my biggest guy growing up. Um, I think he just brought such great attention, you know, to to tennis. So I, I loved him. I still love watching that when I like being young. You know, there was I feel like I've as I've gotten older, I've kind of you know lost with it. But but the that era of tennis was so good, so competitive with those yeah. two rivalries. Oh, yeah. it was great. It was you know, great. on court, off court stuff, and and then they're yeah. like superstars, so they're like marrying and and dating. You know, right, super, yeah. it, it is bigger than life. The personalities <laughs> yeah. was huge. Yeah, and it still is. I mean, I'm I'm not going to pretend that I'm like the huge tennis guy, but like it's impossible not to run into uh, you know news about the top five or six tennis players in the world on both the men's and the women's side. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I would say like the nice thing about uh, back then is those were like, Americans. So I think the sport of tennis really exploded in America when those guys were, yeah. were the top guys in the world. Now, I think probably maybe the three best players of all time are, are still battling with Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic. They're going to probably end up as the three guys with the most grand slam. So we're actually in an amazing era of tennis. And they're not Americans, but overall they may end up going down as the three best players ever. So it's pretty cool that that they're bringing such attention to the sport. I know even in this area, tennis is really on the rise during COVID. And even now it's, it's very popular. So it's been good, I think for our sport. Yeah. It was one of those things where you needed something to do outside. You know, you don't need a ton of equipment for it. You know, you need a racket. We all walked enough. Like there's only so much walking you can do. Let's go get a racket. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, and then there's all the, the variations of it that people like pickleball. Yeah. Yeah, I, older people play like it's wild. Yeah, I Leagues. think we're going to need to start building separate facilities. The other day, I drove by a, a tennis court and there was like fifteen people out there. Right, winner stay on pickleball, but yeah. there, I saw a bunch of people holding tennis rackets, like waiting. Like, hey, we got to yeah. get on the court next year. It's <laughs> good. Yeah, they're put right now. They're putting some pickleball lines on the tennis courts, and they're also building new facilities with just just pickleball. So it's I, did, I think the people were waiting to see if it was a fad or if it was going to stick, but right. it's it become like it's very sticking. popular. Yeah, it's yeah. very very popular. I have to get into some of that. <laughs> into the pickleball game. Oh yeah, I'm way too fat and ass shape for tennis. <laughs> it would just bring out the defibrillator. So, Chris, if we can, when you weren't, you know, watching, you know, Agassi and Sampras and those guys kind of go at it, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious, and, and Greg and I are too, you know, one of the, the great things about the podcast is we get to, to learn a little bit more about the rosters, but more about you as, as well. And although we don't see eye to eye when it comes to professional football teams. Yes. <laughs> a, speak for yourself. <laughs> um, uh, you know, take us now out of the game a little bit. And when we're not talking tennis, um, we'll start with kind of these things that, that tell us a little bit more about you. So um, I, I'll start with not kind of, you know, the normal one, but what are the favorite shows of Chris Light, whether it's stuff you're watching Ooh. now, things that you've kind of were interested in before, maybe, you know, if something's on TV and syndication that you're going to make sure that you watch. What are the yeah. what are the shows that kind of keep your attention when you're away from tennis? The all-time favorite, it's like a family thing, is, is Seinfeld for our, our family. Cool. I, I just, we just grew up uh, watching it and we always, you know, we know all the characters, all the lines. So every time our family's together, there's a lot of, you know, Seinfeld references that are, that are comical. So that was like our, I would say our main show, um, some of the movies were like Caddyshack, Animal House. That was kind of like my era growing up. So those are some of the, you know, the comic movies I watch. And I'm just a gigantic sports guy. I watch 
any any kind of sport. I love you know football, basketball, baseball. So I'll just you know at night I'll just watch anything. <laughs> right. I, I growing up even in baseball, I knew like stats and all stars. I'm kind of a, a sports junkie, so I can watch pretty much any kind of sport. So and was it all the Philly teams? Yeah. Philly, Terrific. diehard Philly guy. My parents are from Philly, so growing up, we would go to Phillies games, Eagles games, 76ers games. I remember seeing Jordan play. You know, so we we went to everything Philly. So I'm very diehard. Very hey, diehard you never have guy. to mute him on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Some people have to be muted on Twitter for their outlandish for their sports yeah. takes. Yeah, yeah, for their outlandish professional yeah. sports takes. You and, don't have to. You have to mute Chris. And I was surprised here when I came here. I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna be like, it's gonna be all Giants and Jets. I'm not even gonna fit in. But that's a very heavy Eagles presence here in the department and in uh, West Long Branch. So yeah, I'm, I'm more comfortable than I thought I was gonna be. I mean, that for a while the communications office was almost split right down the, the middle between the Giants and the Eagles. Yeah, it, and it's kind of indicative indicative of what Mammoth is. It's kind of that perfect mixture of. Central and Northern Jersey, Central and Southern Jersey, and kind of East, you know, Southeastern mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. So you you do see that, but I, I I'll never forget. I think it was it when wasn't uh, maybe it was right after the Eagles won the Super Bowl because that's when you kind of started here, right? It it, it, it was right around there, and yeah. I was like, oh, had I known this, <laughs> so it was the great the greatest year, yeah, on earth. Uh, so let's jump into a little bit of music. What what are we listening to? If if you're going out there to play a tennis match, which I'm. Um, don't think you do competitively anymore, but uh, what are we listening? What were you listening to to get juiced? Well, now it's like all my guys have uh, this crazy international, like upbeat music. So actually, I don't know all the <laughs> lyrics, but I actually really it's enjoy probably it. not a lot of lyrics. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of beat, but I, I really like that. So we we try to play music sometimes at practice in the in the warm ups. Um, they're playing, dancing around, keeps it keeps it fun and loose. I'm a like everything music guy. It really depends on the, on my mood. My my favorite band growing up was Rolling Stones. Uh, mm-hmm. My uncle was a gigantic Stones guy. I went to I've been to probably ten shows throughout. Wow. So that was just kind of a, a family band. And then you know I loved like the the Pearl Jam that kind of that kind of vibe. Some some eighties stuff occasionally, and you know current music. So it depends on I don't know. It depends on the on the mood and how I'm feeling. Is there a, a match day ritual for you as a coach now that you get into, or is it more so making sure that the student athletes are ready to go? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I spend some time, you know, making sure I'm, I'm mentally and, and physically ready too, but my main goal was making sure they're, they're all, they're all individually good to go. We try to spend some time as a team talking, but also individually checking in with them and, you know, are you good? Are you good? Sometimes something a little comes up and try to take care of that. But I don't have too many like rituals. I think our, I want our match day to be like a fun and the easiest part of the week. Like we, we train very hard. Um, so I want that to be like a, a fun, they're, they're very passionate and very um, determined when they play, but we also want them to, you know, celebrate when they have good shots and have fun and be passionate about the sport. So you know, we're, I'm usually very confident on match day that, that we're at least ready. Not that we'll always win, but that we're at least, we've done everything we can to be ready. So I'm, I'm usually very confident going into the matches. Well, I know uh, we appreciate the time. This is, a, you know, the busiest time of year with the final Mac match of the season, two matches this weekend in Western New York, and then the championships next weekend. Uh, Greg and I really appreciate the time and giving the listener um, just maybe a little bit more detail that they didn't know about this you know, I, I don't want to use the word, but right, this dynasty of Mammoth men's tennis that we've seen since 2016. Chris, now you've done it. I know. I know. <laughs> you well, jinxed me. <laughs> well, you know, we, we do appreciate it in helping sh- kind of shed the light on some of these great student athletes and, and for taking the time. 
Yeah, thanks, Eddie and Greg, for having me and uh, for bringing, you know, the Mammoth Tennis Program so much attention on campus. Uh, we're very appreciative of it. Well, thank you, Coach, because you, your student-athletes are really great representatives of our university. And uh, not only, I'm not just talking on the court, um, off the court as well. And uh, we appreciate you taking some time. Like Eddie said, we know it's stretch run here, and you're about to jump on a bus for uh, 76 hours and head out <laughs> west. So. Uh, enjoy it and good luck and we will see you when you get back on, on the other side of that Niagara road trip alright thanks guys appreciate it to thank Chris Light again for, you know, right before jumping on a bus to go to Western New York, a couple of matches, including his final conference match of the year for joining us. And, you know, I, I feel like you said, people assume and expect this Monmouth men's tennis team to win, but important to hear kind of those, you know, the inner workings of how he goes about doing that. Yeah. And it's just, it's one of those sports where, I mean, everybody who's a parent is like, oh yeah, or, or even a kid, you know, when they were kids grow up playing certain sports, but how many people do you really, I, I know one person who grew up playing tennis like competitively and went on to college to go play. So I thought it was interesting to have him in. We've been trying to get him in for a while now, um, but it just didn't work out. His schedule didn't work out. And uh, obviously he has a job to do. He can't just worry about our podcast. So uh, <laughs> it was awesome to have Chris in here. He's a really good guy. He He's doing a really good program, doing a really good job with the program. He supports all of our other sports and um, if I'm going to do anything, I'm, I'm going to try to drum up some more support uh, for him, him and his guys in the next year and try to get some people out to his matches because they definitely deserve it. Well, in you know, he like you mentioned, goes to everything. You know, I'll, I'll see, you know, Chris in the hallway or, or, you know, over in the arena. And the last thing he talks about is his team. Oh, he, yeah. He, he knows what we have going on. Sure. He, he'll talk about football, he'll talk about basketball, talk about the other sports. So, um you know, just has been a really good coworker, really, since, you know, he, he kind of made the move from Wilkes to Monmouth and has not only kept this Monmouth team winning, which they were doing, but has kind of taken it to a different level with some of these long winning streaks and some of these, you know, beating better opponents than Monmouth was before he got here. So um, wish them the best of luck this weekend and then next weekend at those MAC championships out in Mercer County Park. Busy yep. spring continues, though, man. We've got so much going on. So much on campus going on yeah. <laughs> over the next couple of days. Um, before we talk about this weekend, though, I know something that is coming up in a couple of weeks that we're excited to have come back. And, you know, the last couple of years it went away. Um, and I, I know that, you know, the spring football season is an interesting one. Okay, so we got to do this. We played competitive games in the spring uh, not in too long ago. Obviously, it was last season. Um but now, Greg, they're back to kind of a traditional spring after a traditional fall. Mm -hmm. um, and it brings the return of a spring showcase to for them to be able to go out and the culmination of spring practice and, and, you know, get in front of some fans and have a nice day. Yeah, always a really fun time. And there's some autograph signings. It's it's free for everybody to come in and um, watch the this young Hawks team. There's some new pieces. Uh, and, you know, they'll run 80, 90 plays and there's no scoring system. We've kind of moved away from that. It's difficult on the FCS level to have a true scoring system. Yeah, and it was because always your roster you, sizes. When you watch these things on TV, and, and there's a point for a tackle for a loss, and there's yeah, two points for too a much. this. We, we used right. to do it. It was just too much. So uh, we definitely want to have people at the Kessler Stadium uh, on the 23rd at one o'clock. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a lot of fun, and 
hopefully we'll have a nice day and, and you can get out here and, and root on your Hawks. And not only to come see the team play, and again, the, to reiterate the date and time that Greg mentioned, it's Saturday, April 23rd at 1 o'clock, but to be able to meet some of the players afterwards, you can also mm-hmm. square away all of your ticket needs tickets, yeah. for next season, and this is the time to get them before vacation start before summer before everything else happens come out watch the team play right. square away your season tickets for next year year pick, one pick from your best the seats. yep <clears throat> pick the Excuse seats me. come out pick your best seats uh get get there because we we definitely have seen a high level of renewals and uh we're going to be out there you know pushing new tickets and it's a new era in the caa and we're playing you know some some different teams that have some alumni in the area, and the last thing I want to happen is for us to be playing a game where the, where the stands are 50-50 rooting for and against us. So we definitely need your support, and, and come out here and get, get your football season tickets that are on sale now. And if anyone knows us and they've come to games the last couple of years, you, you can pick make sure you have the best possible seat you can get by attending on Saturday, April 23rd, because if you wait till the fall, like Greg mentioned, those seats are not going to be available whether they're scooped up by other Monmouth fans or by some of these opponents, which obviously if you support Monmouth, you don't want to see happen. Exactly. So that's Saturday, April 23rd at 1 o'clock, but it's a busy week and weekend, obviously, in West Long Branch again. Um, just to kind of go around the horn, in a rescheduled doubleheader, the softball team is home on Friday. They go to Marist on Saturday, so they're back home on Friday. Uh, the baseball team just beat Seton Hall yesterday. We had a, a fun win. It was a good win, in-state win. They're on the road. They'll go to Quinnipiac this week. They have started Mac play with consecutive three-game sweeps of Iona and of Niagara, 6-0 and for Coach E. Hall and undefeated at home so far, too. Yeah, excellent. Uh, undefeated at home is a huge thing, defend, you know, defend the nest here. And uh, the go up to Hamden, hopefully get those games in. I know it's supposed to rain a little bit tomorrow, but uh, in this baseball scheduling model, every game is, is a huge game and every game counts. And I think with the pitching staff, starting pitching staff that Coach E. Hall has, uh, you know, we are in every single game and um, we should be, you know, we should have a really nice shot to get a good seed uh, and and hopefully take that thing all the way uh, in our last year in the MAC. So they are fun to watch. There are some great personalities on that team. You love Jay Bant. You love Harmstead or Hammerstead, as he, as he might be known. Uh, Dixon Black, you know, it just goes on and on and on. There's, there's, there's so many guys. Uh, and, and of course, the, you know, the three pitchers, you know, Clep, you know, Hensey and, and uh, we had him on the Our show. Our podcast uh, guest, Trey Dombrowski. Trey Dombrowski literally <laughs> just blanked my head. I was thinking Reagan, but he, is, he has been gone. Um, yeah, and Trey Dombrowski, who was an awesome podcast guest. So um, really go back and listen to his and then, and then buckle in for some Monmouth baseball. On the road this weekend, they're home next weekend for a three-game set with Maris. That starts April 22nd at 3 o'clock, so you could kind of have a, a pretty good Monmouth weekend next weekend. You can check out some home baseball. You can check out, obviously, like Greg said, the Spring Showcase. Um, but this Saturday is the Men's and Women's Lacrosse Program's Family Fun Day here at Kessler Stadium. Mm-hmm. It is a full day starting at 10 a.m. with the pregame event before the men's game. The men then take on Canisius at 11. The women take on Marist at 2 Full day of events. There is, 
there's going to be events where you have some of the great first responder and local police. Uh, it's called a touch a truck touch event. A truck. So make sure you come out to that. That's 10 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, meet some of the, the great people that not only help here on campus, but in the local community. Um, there's an Easter egg hunt at halftime of the men's game as well. The women then take on Marist at two. Uh, I'll be here all day, Greg. It is a great day. The weather looks really good. We've yeah, turned the does. corner there. So Saturday, a full day at Kessler Stadium. Yeah, definitely. And, and if you're uh, if you're looking for something to do or if you're a lacrosse fan, it is definitely um, it's definitely a day you want to come out to. You mentioned the touch of truck. It's family fun day. Coach Fisher, this is something he started when he first got here. It's a huge success. The Easter egg hunt at halftime. There are kids all over the place snatching up eggs. And uh, it's just a, a, a lot of fun. And um, it's good to see that team that, you know, they're struggling a little bit because they're, I think they're kind of young and putting the pieces together, but they're in a stretch run here and they're really going to need your support to go out there and get a couple wins and, and, and make a, make a run at this Mac tournament. And the women have won three in a row. Uh, really good game against Canisius the other day. Uh, they play Fairfield tonight, which is, you know, they, they look like the team to beat in the Mac. So, you know, if the Hawks can go out there and take care of business, they'll, they'll put four together and, and head into Marist, which is kind of a rivalry game to, the two schools, I think, are rivals. The two athletic departments kind of see each other as, as rivals, and and certainly uh, the two women's across programs are kind of kind of rivaled. Uh, so that'll be um, that'll be a fun one too, and then senior day after that. So uh, definitely a big weekend, and you should try to make it up up to uh, West Long Branch if yeah. you can. It's the women's last home game of the year on the 16th, and the men have that and then a, a home finale against Manhattan the following Friday. So uh, no excuse not to come out. Check everything out, mammothawks.com, all of your schedules, all of your information. Um, it, pretty crazy that this this first year that we're kind of back right in the sense of a normal schedule is quickly coming to an end, and yeah. it's made faster because we've done now 17 of these, I think. <laughs> yeah, definitely, and and. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we're gonna stop. So buckle up. Oh, why would we? Might have a little bit of a break there for you. Uh, I mean, I can you know call in. I can, <laughs> we'll I can do things do. I like that. I might have that. to get a guest host. I mean, I'm still. I'm not. I mean, you know, you could dial into the thing. Sure, maybe I can. I'll drive over and just hang out in the car. Maybe you could just do that, and, <laughs> and I'll run a long XLR up to your house, and we'll do the, the the show from there. Maybe we could record it from there. Maybe the first guest, first guest post baby could be that. Sure. Uh, well, you know, obviously these are so fun to do. We again thank Chris Light for for joining us, and um, you know we are so appreciative of everyone who listens, subscribes, rates, reviews, downloads. We appreciate all the support. Keep it going because it goes directly to these coaches and student athletes because they're the ones that deserve all of the attention. And Greg and I are just happy to be able to do that. We'll catch you on the next one, Greg. Great job as always. Thank you. You too, Eddie. production of the Monmouth Digital Network. Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast distribution sites, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Pandora, and more. All rights reserved.